Okay, hello, hello, welcome world to the first podcast of Soccer Guys. My name's Anthony. And I am Nick. And we're going to kind of go through the ultimate guide to what you need to know to love soccer or football, however you want to call it, as much as we do. So we're going to go over first with who the fuck are we? Right. So, so who the fuck are you? Well... Like I said, my name is Anthony. I have been watching football for about 10 years. Uh, I lived in England for five years, and I lived in an amazing footballing town called Newcastle United. Uh, that's where I really got my new pedigree in loving soccer uh, as much as I do, and it just made me want to watch every single match I could possibly watch, uh, no matter if it's MLS or Premier League or La Liga or Ligue 1 or Bundesliga. If it's on TV, I don't care who's playing, I will watch it. And um, I will listen to it, too. That's actually even better, because then I can imagine what's going on in my head uh, with the great color commentary. How about you? And me, I'm Nick, uh, as I said before, and um, I have been watching football since I was born. <laughs> I don't think I've ever not watched it. Um, I grew up, uh, my my whole family is from Naples, Italy, so we all follow Napoli. Um, I had it passed down to me as a child. My dad hated that because at the mo- at the time the most successful team was AC Milan, and I wanted AC Milan jerseys. And the color of the youth team that I played for was AC Milan's colors. And he just kind of stayed quiet and just waited for me to grow out of it. And uh, sure enough, I did. And um, Napoli is the is the only team I support. They are my national team. They are they are everything. It's it's more than football. Um, and that's that's pretty. I've I've gone to games in Italy. I've spent lots of time in in Italy and Naples, especially, um, almost exclusively. And um, they are the only ones I will ever support. I can watch other so- I can watch the game being played, but I can't. I will not get passionate about it unless Napoli is playing. And I've seen him get passionate about it. There's a lot of hugging and screaming and yelling all at the same time. <laughs> it, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, so when we were trying to figure out where do we start. Um, well, one thing that's kind of weird is the time of the year that we're starting our first podcast, a lot of leagues are actually winding down. Um, so for most of Europe and actually the rest of the world, next week, this week coming up, is the last week that we have uh, football. But that doesn't mean football stops. There's a transfer window. There is World Cup for women. There is the Guinness International Cup. There's all sorts of soccer. The Gold Cup. MLS. I think I said that. I'm not sure. But the most important thing to understand about soccer, I think, and I don't know about you, is promotion relegation. The most important, maybe not, but definitely something that's that's different. If you're an American sports fan, it's something that doesn't exist um, in this in this country, at least. And I think even the commissioner of MLS, Don Garber, even said like it won't make sense ever in this country because our clubs are not clubs; they're local businesses with tons, millions of dollars that are um, that are put into it. Yeah, that makes sense. So we're going to start there because this weekend is. Um, promotion relegation weekend in at least five clubs, five different um, leagues, I mean. So um, so the first thing is, what is relegation? Because that's probably the most important thing that people aren't going to even understand what that word means. Well, what that is, is basically um, every, every country in, in Europe or South America, basically everywhere but the United States, um, has 
there's a team there's a team for almost every city or there's a team there's several teams in one city there's mm-hmm. several levels of professional of professional football and yeah if you take England for example there's 20 teams in their top flight but then there's um, a second division, a third division, a fourth division. All you of go it's, all the way down until you just play for a pub. Yeah, there's there's four, there's so many levels of prof- it's all professional football. There's just different levels of professional football. Unless you play for that pub, then you're probably like a plumber. Then you're probably not making any money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically, with uh, if you finish uh, using the Premier League as an example, um, there's 20 teams in the league. If you finish. 18th, 19th, or 20th, you are relegated into the lower division, and the top three teams from that lower division take your spot. Um, it's something that's um, that goes on all over the the world. It doesn't happen in the U.S., for instance. If you look at NBA basketball, there's tanking, right. where teams actively try to lose games so that yep. they can get a favorable pick in the um, in the draft and to get new players. There's no such thing as a draft in in world football, there is they they don't punish um, not just mediocrity. It's not mediocrity. It's they don't punish poor play. So, basically, if you think about it this way, let's say that the Yankees did so poor, kind of like what they did last year. They do so poor that they, as the Yankees, get relegated to Triple uh, A, and they no longer face, for example, um, the Red Sox. Because the Red Sox did well last year, the um, the Yankees are going to face all the Triple A teams, like you know the Lakewood Blue Claws and the um, the Sand Nats and all those crazy teams below them. That's basically what what relegation is, and you know it's important because this this sort of thing breaks hearts. Uh, I know as uh, you know someone in America watching uh, the the Premier League. It's nerve-wracking because that means I'm not going to see them on TV. If you're in the Champion League uh, of Europe, if you're in League 2 or League 1 or in the conference, you don't get TV time. And that all means money. And as, as Nick and I will discuss you know, later on in other podcasts, money rules the world, money rules soccer. It's the class system they've basically they've put into, <laughs> into, into football. You're either you're, there's the haves and the haves nots. Um, as someone who I've also been Napoli has been relegated um, most recently in uh, in 2004, and they were relegated not for necessarily for how they played, which they didn't have a good season that year, but they they were relegated for they were sent down to the third division rather than to the second division because of uh, financial irregularities, which um, is enough to doom you. But in Italy, it's it's also worth mentioning Juventus uh, fixed games. They they outwardly fixed games and were sent down only one division but you can't pay your players that's apparently that's a bigger if you can pay your referees you only go one down <laughs> down you go down one league but if you pay your if you don't pay your players you go down you go down two more all right so we, we talked about relegation and kind of what that is and obviously promotion is the exact opposite and this is where i think football becomes or soccer becomes the most unique and amazing sport because especially as Americans uh, we have the ability to really love an underdog we have the ability to want that you know that sea biscuit story every single year where we want a guy the little guy the guy that had no money the guy that came out of the slums the guy like Tyson remember his start it was in upstate New York in a little town right outside the Catskills we want to see him do well right 
So when it comes to promotion, that's all those stories rolled up into one every single year. Three whole teams. Now, uh, in, in England, how it works is the first team, if you have the most points in that lower division, you automatically go all the way up, right? Um, the second two teams actually have to do in a playoff, and that actually happens on Monday. So that's going to be really interesting, too. Um, Italy is similar. They... Um they do the same thing, but if there's enough point differential between the second and the third place team or the third and the fourth place team, they skip the playoff altogether and they just promote whoever finishes where. Right. Um, so those three teams go up. Now, the reason why this is important, the reason why this makes sense, the reason why it makes it so much more interesting is, like we said before, there's a big financial. Um, all, all finances are at stake. So. Just recently, which was, I believe, on Wednesday, Arsenal played Sunderland, and they didn't even win. They tied. But that meant Sutherland was going to go, was going to stay up. That guarantees them $90 million because of the new TV contract to spend on players and, you know, uh, possibly upgrading their stadium, even though I hate them. They were able to figure out how to win that game that they needed to stay up, and $90 million dollars is a lot when it comes to the football world yeah and it also it's also a thing for the players too you can't you know if you're a, a player with even minimal potential on one of these teams that's being relegated you know if you're good enough you're not going to go down with the team another team's going to another premier league team is going to come in and snap you up um so it, it, it's an incentive for the players you don't want to be the bad player on a relegation team right so the other reason why it's so important is I think it continually adds to the competitive nature of any sort of league, right? If we take a look at um, the NFL, for example, right? If you take away that draft system and we look at the Lions, who... I don't know, like the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Uh, yeah, she, Jen, uh, Jay's a Jaguar. But if you take a look... No, you're a Panthers fan. That's what it is, yeah. Um, for all those out there, uh, Jay is our producer. He's making sure that we all stay on track and things like that. But if you even take a look at um, Jacksonville Jaguars, they are never, ever, ever going to to win anything. But they stay in the league, and they're never going to be competitive. When they go, when when a, a football team goes down to the next league, that gives them the ability to stay competitive with the the team around them the other teams around them. Um, and it gives you the ability to strive for something better. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, like I said, it punishes poor play. And if, you, if that's what you're striving for, you won't be around. Mm -hmm. you, it, it's, it's fair, in my opinion. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it, it's at least described as fair. I think it, if you were that small team and you have the ability to shock and awe and really make everything work that one season where everything works on all cylinders and you have that manager that really is understanding the tactics and really using man management and getting the most out of their players, you should deserve something more than just, yeah, you won. Here's a shiny trophy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of really amazing or shocking rele relegation and promotion stories 
uh, that we're going to kind of go into next. That way it gives you kind of a frame of reference as to what's happening in, in, in soccer now and kind of the crazy things that have happened because of promotion relegation in, in the, uh, the recent uh, history of, of football. So, um, Nick, why don't you talk about uh, Calgary? Well, right the, this year, Cagliari is actually going down um, into Serie B, and it, while it's not, you know, it's not a huge club that's going down, it's actually kind of significant. They've been in the top flight for a very long time in Italy. Um, very recent, about four, four or five years ago, they had um, the coach, the current coach of Juventus, uh, Allegri. He was the, their coach, and they did. They were pretty good. They were uh, above the mid-table. They were challenging for the Europa League at this point. Um, for Cagliari, that's amazing. But uh, their owner is notoriously frugal and is try actually trying to... I think he's the owner of Leeds right now. I could yes. be wrong. He is, and actually. You're right. He is notoriously frugal and encouraged them to lose because he could not afford to pay these players anymore and to keep the, or to even apply for the, uh, the UEFA license that you need to be in the Europa League. So he actually encouraged not going into Europe. Um, and... This is a culmination of of all those bad practices. Um, they didn't even play in their um, they didn't even play in Cagliari, which is in Sardinia. Um, they didn't even play uh, in their stadium last year. They played most of their games in Northern Italy, which couldn't be any farther from where they're from. Well, I didn't even realize that that was that bad. Um, it it really kind of uh, pinpoints the fact that it's not just bad management, but bad ownership uh, is something that can really hurt. Uh, a team and you know hurting a team is hurting all the fans uh, in general um, and Coyote have very very awful people as fans but they show up but they're awful people <laughs> and and I think what what Nick's trying to say is a, a, a soccer fan which we're actually going to get into later on is someone who's always going to show up right it's someone that has the ability to have specific focus on one team that they will love to the day they die so Nick being a Napoli fan he's not going to say that Calgary fans are anything but horrible but they're there every single match and they're trying to stop they're terrible in. every single match yes. <laughs> they're terrible every single match and they're not even the worst of, of, of the groups of fans that are in Italy but they're, they're up there um, moving on to another fun thing that's happening this year Bournemouth um, Bournemouth is a little town uh, on the southern coast of uh, England. They uh, have done an amazing job this year um, putting all those things together, like I said before, the tactics, the players, the manager, uh, and they were able to win the champions uh, chip in England. So they go straight up. Um, the, my favorite part of uh, Bournemouth, though, like I said, it's a tiny little town. Um, so the actual size of the stadium is 10,000 seats. The average size of a football stadium, at least in England, is about 30,000. I don't know about Italy. Yeah, I mean, bigger. in Italy, it's, uh, it's, there's, prevent, there's a lot of provincial clubs. I mean, it's not like in the Premier League where, you know, at any given time, there could be 10 teams from London in the league. So, um, Italy right. is a little more spread out um, than that, and there's a lot more smaller clubs. But... Uh, about two seasons ago, uh, Sassuolo, uh, which is a very tiny town in Italy, um, at, they played against Napoli in the San Paolo and Napoli Stadium, and 55,000 people showed up to the end. That's that's about 40,000 more people that live in Sassuolo <laughs> um, that showed up to that game in Naples, at least. So, and uh, this season, uh, Carpi, uh, very the smallest of small teams that could ever be. Um, 
promoted therein, and I think their stadium fits about 2,500 people. I mean, if you look at it in American terms, if you look at a decent high school stadium, you've got more than 2,500 seats. If you picture like a Division three college team uh, making it to you know the NFL, that's 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 essentially what this is. Right, exactly, and and the same thing with Bournemouth. And uh, my favorite thing is just a couple days ago, I was reading an article. Now, like we said before, you don't just go up. There is money involved in moving when you get promoted. Um, they are spending none of the money that they get on adding extra seats to the stadium. So Bournemouth, for the whole year, will practically have at least... Well, no, their, their, their stadium will sell out every single match. Think of this, Nick. You have Man United... Or, or we'll even put it closer to Bournemouth. You have Arsenal going to Bournemouth, and there's only 10,000 seats. And it's like, well, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's going to be, well, I, I mean, if you look at it in Bournemouth's aspect, it's going to be a huge driver for their revenue. They've, I, I don't think the last time they sold out 10,000 seats ever, you know. <laughs> um, so just if you look at the town and the economics that it's going to be, it's going to be insane. But... I mean, you can essentially fit them in uh, to a comfortable seat, uh, comfortable little section at the Emirates. Right, like 10, exactly. Seats at the Emirates is uh, Arsenal's uh, stadium in London. Yeah, I mean that stadium I think is sixty-five thousand. So easily you could fit the whole entire Bournemouth stadium inside of Arsenal Stadium. So it's going to be amazing. I think the atmosphere that it's going to create, just because it's such a small ground, is going to be quite. Intense, and it may be something that some teams won't be able to handle. I, I just imagine the bigger teams, like especially with the, like an Arsenal or a Man United, that just go, look how cute these guys are. <laughs> um, so our, our other thing we're going to talk about, um, why don't you talk about uh, Juventus? So you kind of talked about it a little bit before with the relegation. Talk, talk well, about with Juventus, more. I will never say one nice word about them. Um, ever, uh, they're Napoli's one of Napoli's biggest rivals, and it's not so much on the pitch. While it is on the pitch as well, it's it's a lot of the rivalry is in the stands, um, just as much. Their fans are horrible racists, and um, and it just it's it's something that you don't see outside of outside of Italy. Um, outside of Italy, they have a a big fan base, and there's not um they don't know that much about it, but the the fans in Italy are in, incredible racists. And um, I, I won't say a nice thing about them. And when they went, they went down in uh, 2006 after the World Cup. They were relegated into Serie B for um, for fixing matches. Um, their their director at the time, uh, Luciano Moggi, he was uh, he was had communications, the telephone uh, taps of him talking to referees saying, "Give this player a yellow card um, so that he'll be suspended for our game," <laughs> or "Put this referee in charge of this game because he's not that experienced." And so. All these things to influence the outcomes of games, and they went down to um, to the second division. And their their year in the second division, it was, it was the first time they've ever been there. It was a bounce back, right? They just stayed they there went, and went right went, back they up. They went right back up. I mean, they went there even with a point deduction, and their point deduction was, I think, at 20 points at one point, and it got reduced to, like, 8. So they were easily bounced back, and they were actually in Serie B the same year as Napoli. And Napoli, I mean, it, it was that the rivalry really came back then. Um, uh, the first time we played them was in a Coppa Italia fixture, and uh, Napoli beat them on penalties, which was awesome. <laughs> but um, uh, Juventus and, and Napoli went back up in the same year. That's insane. The, the one we're going to lead off on is, is uh, an experience I had a couple years ago. This was another team that was promoted uh, called Blackpool, another small little club, not as small as Bournemouth was. And I'm going to be a little concise, uh, but basically... 
the the last weekend they survived to the last weekend of the Premier League, and they were winning. They won their game two nothing. The end of the day, they still went down because it just so happened that the other team that needed to win won two, and because of the point dif- the the goal difference, they went down, and we haven't seen Blackpool ever again. I think in England they say "them's the breaks," isn't that? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's an English term, but it definitely fits. <laughs> So uh, we're going to go on to our next thing that, you know, um, we're going to talk about a little bit. And this is called Footballers You Need to Know. Um, There's always those greats, those champions. Maybe you've heard of Pele. Maybe you heard of Cristiano Ronaldo. Maybe you heard of Rain Rooney. uh, Maybe you heard of, you know... uh, Maradona. I think that's the first time you ever said Wayne Rooney. Anybody ever said Wayne Rooney next to Maradona's name or, or Pele? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, uh, Ancelotti said that. He said that we're one of the greatest players ever been, and he said Wayne Rooney's name. Yeah. I, 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 I digress. <laughs> so, every single podcast, we're gonna pick about two people just to kind of get you a little bit more into the other greats, the the people that have made football what it is today. Um, and obviously, for more than one reason, uh, Steven Gerrard is, is definitely one of those players. Well, he's good to talk about just because he's ending his career in England right now. Right. He'll be um, with the Galaxy, uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy and the MLS, so cool that uh, he's coming. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that if you were to look up the word loyalty in the dictionary, his name is there. And it's, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of fans who are new to the game who maybe came onto the game after this World Cup or even the last World Cup. I mean, they don't know, you know, things that he did, like in things in, in Istanbul when he led, he was the captain of probably the most remarkable performance in a Champions League that you'll ever see. Liverpool was down 3 nothing at halftime yeah. to a very favored Milan team, um, and they came back in the second half, tied it 3-3, and won it on penalties. Um, and he was the he was the architect of all of that. He has always been, you know, their golden boy. He's had 27 years with one club. That is 709 appearances. So think about it this way for, for the, the audience that's from America, which is who we're trying to get to. This is Derek Jeter times two, right? This guy has played for Liverpool since his the inception of him as a footballer where he's like, Oh, I think I want to do this professionally at the age of 15, I think it was. Yeah. That's when he started playing for Liverpool. He never stopped. 185 goals in his career for one club. Um, it's just phenomenal. It's not something you're going to see. No. I don't want to say you'll ever, never see it again, but you're not with the way that football is now with the money and everything that happens now. You One-man clubs or one-club men are, right. are a dime a dozen. I mean, the only other two I can think of um, is Totti. I hate him. But he's there. But I hate him. He's been in Roma ever since. He He's going to be staying. He's going to retire at Roma. That's the only thing I can say about Steven Gerrard. If he was, he, I still think he's a one-club man, but he should have ended his whole football career at Liverpool. Debatable. I mean, I, mean, I think he's just going to come to the MLS, jog around a little bit, you know, kick the ball we'll back see. and forth. I mean, he's got a competitive nature, but... 
he's he, he knows the game. He's that machine in the midfield. That's the reason why Liverpool has always been so competitive. It was at his feet, at his tackles, at his placement of the ball, at his creativity. Right, and when he comes to MLS and he sees how weird it is, he's going <laughs> to... I mean, even the best players who... Like Thierry Henry, he, ref, he never played a game in New England because of the artificial turf and his uh, the injury that he was carrying. He refused to play there. He finally he played his last game right. uh, against yep. New England and uh, the Rebels lost. And I mean, as for as great as a player as he is, he would never he wouldn't do it. He would do it in a playoff game if he knew it was going to be his last. But he wouldn't do it, you know, on a hot August day. Right. Well, I mean, I, I also think that's a little bit of of the French uh, kind of uh, persistence kind of showing through with, with Thierry. Um, but I, I I think Steven Gerrard is. is one, I think he's got at least another three years left in him, by far. Um, he's still got some some pump left in the legs. I think he's going to be, if nothing else, when he gets to the Galaxy, an amazing figure. I don't think he's going to be the captain. I don't think they should take it away from uh, who's the captain now. I couldn't even tell you who the captain of the Galaxy Keen. is now. Now that uh, yeah, it's, it's it is Robbie Keane. Yeah, Robbie Keane. Right. Gone. Yeah. Um, I don't think they need to take it away from him. I don't think he deserves that yet. But you know. All these young kids, all these American kids are going to be able to say, I, I not only played with Steven, but he showed me something. He may, I'm a better football player because I play alongside of him. And that, I, I think, is worth more than just jogging around I could agree with pitch, that. Right. Um, I remember my the, 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 the game that stands out for me, and the Istanbul one is, like, legendary. That'll be on the front page of his... Uh, Every single time. On the front time. page of the book of his life yeah. is, is Istanbul. But I remember his 400th cap, and, and cap means that's your 400th game that you've been starting, okay? Um, his 400th cap for Liverpool, it was against Arsenal, um, and they were uh, Liverpool was losing. Steven Gerrard was in the midfield and hit this ball. It was a beautiful arc, like from the 30-yard line, just straight past the goalkeeper. And it meant one point, but it was more the fact that he was able to persevere through that difficulty of being down a goal and, and show up for his 400th game and, and be a very important part of the reason why that game had a different chance. Yeah. And I would say my um, my uh, experience with Steven Gerrard is Liverpool played Napoli in a, uh, in a Europa League game in uh, 2000 and I want to say 2010 and Steven Gerrard, we were, Napoli, was, uh-huh. Napoli was given Liverpool a lesson in the game. I mean, Lavezzi scored, we're up one nothing in Anfield. It's probably the biggest moment of our, since our comeback from uh, the bankruptcy in 2004. And Steven Gerrard comes in in the second half and just fucking scores a hat-trick against us. <laughs> and and Napoli is, is, is defeated. I mean, we still went on to the next round um, of the Europa League. Uh, but just motherfucker, this guy just comes in and scores a hat trick against us like it was like it was nothing. I just think it shows how much one player can really add to a pitch. You know, and, and there's there's times where, you know, you can say like one player doesn't make a team, but there's times where one player can just, you know, put a team on his back, so to say, and right. and, and make the decision. I mean it's it's all about playing that chess game, you know. With with him out of the midfield of Liverpool and, you know, we're going to figure this out next season when he's absolutely not there. Do they have that replacement that's going to have them have the ability to to succeed, to get the ball forward, to have that a little bit of creativity? And Henderson is is the guy they're thinking that's going to be that. But 
you know, we'll, we'll get to that later on in other podcasts. This kind of goes to the other end of the spectrum when it comes to footballers you need to know, um, which is uh, Raheem Sterling. Oh, yeah. You know, he's he's a young guy. He's He's got talent. It's there. Um, but, you know, he's, a, he's somebody you should know for the fact that he's going to be... Wait, but does he have talent? He has talent. I, I don't think he's... I think he's got potential to have talent. He, I think he's more talented than me. He has talent. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he's definitely he's definitely more talented than you. Um, he's got talent. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of potential. Uh, whether or not that's going to be seen, we don't know. I mean, he, he definitely... His agent is a bit of a... I think they call it a wanker. Yeah, in, yeah that's in, a is what they call it in England. Um, and that's what is going to make or break him, as, as, it's, uh, as it does with so many young players. But... You know he's definitely going to be a controversial figure just because uh, this summer because of uh, his uh, his wage demands from yep. Liverpool and they're saying Liverpool is saying how can you do this you're you know how could you do this to us we're the team that we made you what you right. what this you are and what you are right now is. A exactly. player with potential. A it's player like with potential. Exactly. We didn't make you into Steven Gerrard. No, no, no. I mean, so so we're, Raheem Sterling is 20 years old. Raheem Sterling was picked up in 2011 from QPR, and Liverpool saw the potential in him at that point. I worked at the Gap when I was 20 years old. <laughs> right. This he was already playing. Fo- He's playing at top flight football in uh, arguably top seven best teams in England. Arguably, yeah. What I mean, I, I, they they underachieve. That maybe they overachieved last year, or they're underachieved this year. One way or another, a they little are, bit of both. Yeah, they are they are a big club. I mean, if we have Liverpool fans out there, arguably the the team with the most history. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at their, especially in Europe, they're the most successful yeah. English team in Europe. So, and the, boy, will they let you know? Every single time. Uh, my grandmother died. They are they are the Dallas Cowboys fans <laughs> of, of England. That's true. Um, so, I wrote down a couple stats, and I know you have them in front of you. So, this kid is, right now he's on $35,000 a week. A that, pittance. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good wage for most of us. I think that uh, I would be comfortably living off of $35,000 a week. You know, I don't know. I mean, I can only buy a house every month. I mean, we're doing this podcast in a tiny room with, you know, with two of you sitting on, on my bed. But for 35000 a week, we maybe could have, you know, I don't know, a, a nice man cave? Maybe. Or, you know, a proper studio, perhaps. What, his, what Liverpool has offered him is £180,000 a week. So that's about really for Americans. Like that's probably like four million a week. Two hundred five thousand dollars. Four million like dollars. Seven million. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's it's it depends it's, on where you put the decimal. It's extortionate, right? I I think it shows where they think he's going to be. But this is where I think it, it it's the clincher. He has scored eighteen goals in ninety one appearances. Eighteen goals. Decent. Decent. Not nothing spectacular. Not one hundred eighty thousand pounds worth. No, not even close. And the fact that he's not signing that deal makes no sense to me. That isn't. That's a kid that's twenty years old. Because because he has potential. That's and, a kid that's twenty years old that's listening to his entourage. And his agent says you have potential, and there are plenty of teams out there that right. will pay you. For your potential. Now, could we possibly say maybe he's trying to do this deal because Liverpool didn't make the championship, this, uh, Champions League this year, and maybe he want. Uh, obviously, all footballers want to play champion, uh, Champions League football. Is that the reason why he's he's trying to go I mean, for that, a different? That club? would also be a reason why. Why, if you feel you you deserve to be playing, you know, top in the 
the upper echelon of Europe, why would you why would you settle for less? Um, I get that, but do you think, Nick, that if he went to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Juventus, may, maybe Juventus, but a Man United or even a Man City, do you think he's going to get any playing time? Not comparable to what he's got in Liverpool, no. Right. He'll get playing time, but it won't be it won't be anything like what he has what he has what he has now. And that's where I think he shoots himself in the foot. Because the only reason that he's going to reach his full potential is playing every single game. And Liverpool wants that for him. They want him on that right wing, which he wants to be a striker. He's better at a right, right wing. He might even be better at a left wing with a right foot, um, just to kind of like Iron Robin. Uh, but this isn't good enough for this kid. And I think in this transfer window, and I, I'd like your opinion too, but I think this transfer window... This is going to be drug out the whole summer. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be dirty. It's going to be argumentative. Oh, and absolutely. if I – and, oh, this is another I mean, great if, thing. If, if my job comes and offers me 180k a week, I will turn that right the fuck down. <laughs> this, this, this is shit. <laughs> this is another thing for the American um, audience. Um, Liverpool is owned by the same company that owns – uh, the Red Sox. Yeah. LeBron James is also in on it. Yes, he is. He probably owns, I don't know, the concession stand like or something yeah. like that. I don't even know. Um, so they know how to manage teams. It's not something that's, they're, you know, oh, this is unheard of. But this is kind of what I want Liverpool to do, just to show a 20-year-old kid a little bit of a lesson in loyalty, a little bit of a lesson in understanding where you are now, potential, and, and kind of stop being so arrogant. He still has two years left on his contract. Without getting lawyers involved, they do not have to sell him. No, they don't. But, I mean, in so many cases in football, those players get sold no matter how many years. I mean, Edinson Cavani at Napoli, he, he in September, signs a, a contract extension for five years that would have taken him into 2017, and he was sold the next summer because he said he wanted to go. I mean, these teams, they if they have a disgruntled player, they sell him and get the top dollar for him and then move on to the next one. Because, I mean, you can find Raheem Sterling anywhere. Oh, I don't know. You can find Raheem, you can find you, someone with potential anywhere. Whether they have the, the success that he's had in the in the last two seasons, maybe not. But if they don't, they... I don't call it success. I call it I call an it, average footballer. Maybe an average footballer that maybe has is, is 25. But at 20 years old, he's... Well, I mean, it's, a, it's like the Mario Balotelli situation. I mean, <laughs> how many times are we going to say this guy has potential? Right, exactly. But it's also, I mean, you can attribute, you can compare it to, you know, a company that just, uh, like a startup company that, you know, they they want to get funding, but they don't want to, you know, they don't necessarily want to say how much money they made. If we if we if we're pre-revenue, we can say, you know, <laughs> we can say all this potential revenue that we have. Right. Yeah, we've got all these orders. That's that how you swindle. Built. That's why. That's how you swindle your investors. Uh, excellent. So that's definitely a name you're going to hear a lot, a lot this summer. So keep an eye out for Raheem Sterling. He is also another reason why he's a little bit more different than something you can find anywhere else. He is English. And, and he's kind of a dick. Well, I mean, he's a footballer. I don't know if that's because he's British. No, it's just because he's a footballer. I mean, Barab, I'll tell you, has a, uh, a camo-painted Lamborghini. That's kind why, of... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, you give so, me 180K a week, I'm not going to buy a fucking Fiat. That sort of talent will always have a big personality, and they're always going to be a little bit of a dick. But that's kind of why we like them, too. I don't have a Lamborghini that's camo. I'm never going to get that. 
I want to see somebody drive that through the streets of what was my it, Milan? Volkswagen Jetta will be will be camo. <laughs> he was driving through the streets of Milan or, or or something and throwing money out the windows. Remember when he got he got, got the why, well, why why not? Sounds like something he would do. Yeah, and he got arrested for that. Sounds like something I would do if I was making this much money. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know how to handle that. So kind of moving on to the next thing that we, we kind of thought was fun. Um, we are dealing with a culture that is an international culture. We're dealing with people that are coming from every single corner of the globe to pay this beautiful game. Fortunately, sometimes they have really funny names. Like really funny names. Like I mean, and, it, and it's American. Multi-syllable. And this is where, you know, you lose some American <laughs> fans when you try to tell, you know, somebody that, you know, oh, yeah, my, that defender on my team, Khalidu Kulibali, he's just fucking You can't say it. You can't fucking say it. I'll just call you Mo. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fucking do it. So we're going to kind of go uh, on this list of, of names that we kind of thought. Some are actually really good names, not just because they're funny, because... Their names you need to know, anyways, but they are these multi-syllable names that just you can't help but snicker just a little bit. Yeah, right? This first, with this first one, I see it, Bastian Schweinsteiger, which oh, just sounds that. like it sounds fucking dangerous. And what's funny is they call him Schweiny. And, I um, didn't know that. They call him Schweiny, and he hates it. <laughs> when he grew up, he said, when as he grew up in the in Bayern Munich, uh, they he said that's you another know, uh, you one club to, man. You have to drop the the Schweiny. Because I'm, I'm a grown man now. And it kind of reminds me of a, a high school gym teacher uh, that I had. His name was Mr. Weister, and people called him the Weister Bunny. And there was um, there was a rumor that if you called him the Weister Bunny, he would get re- he would just forget he was a teacher, and he would just fuck you up. And that's what reminds me of that. My favorite thing about Bastian Schweinsteiger is it is one of my favorite last names ever. You say that name, and you're kind of just angry for a good minute or two. If you say it right, Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger. It's, it's dangerous. Yeah, it, it makes you just want to slap the person next to you. Just just get a little bit of aggression out. I don't know if that's just because I'm a German that has an underlining, but just... You I can't mean, even a, say it, it with a happy it's a, face. It's a tough language, man. I mean, I remember I was when I was coming back from Italy and uh, on vacation, I had to stop through Munich, and I was looking at the signs, and I'm like, there's no way this is a language. <laughs> there all these, like, consonants next to each other, and then the O's with the weird dots on the top the of them. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it. that's one of the languages that always sounds a little angry. That and kind of Chinese, because they yell. But the next person, um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and he's probably the most. He is like the. He is like a footballer that every American could like get behind because he's oh, yeah. like the biggest fucking asshole you'll ever. Absolutely. Meet. He has a book called "I Am Zlatan." Yes. And I mean, he's the. He's one of the most conceited. Actually, uh, you may remember from the World Cup uh, commercials. He did the. He was uh, in the World Cup commercials in the animation. He was like, this is Latan. Latan uh, supports USA. And I mean, he does call himself by his first name all the time. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've, I've seen him, and he does, the, he has no chill, as the kids would say. I no, mean, no. I've, I've seen him give an interview uh, to uh, to it when he played for Milan. He was giving an inter- interview to a journalist, after, and um, another a woman journalist was looking at him while he was giving the interview, and he said, in Italian, he said, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> he said it twice, and then he took his headband, headband off. Yes, he wears a headband to keep his locks from flowing into his face. And he, he, he takes that headband off, and he flicks it in this woman's face like a rubber band. Yeah. It was the, the, it, awesome. I mean, I, mean he's a guy I, that, I don't promote misogyny, but that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, he's a guy that follows the money. He's played for, what, five, six different teams? Not only five, six different teams, but he's played for rivals. Of yeah. He's played, oh, for, yeah. he's played for Juventus. He's played for Inter Milan. He's played for AC Milan. Um, yep. He's played for Ajax. I don't think he's, he hasn't played for another club in... Um, 
and no. Netherlands. No, and then PSG. PSG. I mean, the only reason he went there was obviously the, the yeah, money. Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain. They're one of the most richest teams in the uh, in the world. Yeah. Um, but he, he's he always has a lot of talent to back up the the ego. I absolutely. mean, absolutely. He's he's super talented. I mean, he and he and he knows he that he knows he is. That's the casino part. Somebody, yeah. uh, somebody, uh, I think uh, was an English player. I forget who he said who it was, but they said uh, he's not that talented. And he said, well, what that English player could do uh, with a football, I can do with an orange. Yeah. Or he he scored a goal. Uh, he scored an amazing backheel goal against uh, against England. I know. Um, just uh, not he he just wasn't even looking at the goal. He just kicked the ball backwards and it went in. And Mario Balotelli said, "I score goals like that in training when I'm bored." <laughs> and Ibra I remember that. Ibrahimovic said, "Oh, I score goals like that in games when I'm bored." <laughs> He's the Kanye West of, of football. Oh, by far. That's a good that's a good analogy right there. Uh, the next one. Um, Actually, some of our American audience may know this guy, Nigel Shola, Andre Riacocca. Oh yeah, I'm sure they know him. Well, he he does play for the MLS, or used to. Oh yeah, uh, he he's played for a bunch of English teams. I just think his name's a little funny. I've always known the name. I've never known who he's played for. Um, Riacocca always thought of someone that's just really into the drug business. Rio Coker. Yeah. I mean, what what? You're not you're not a footballer. No, no. This he, is like like the. Something like you would see in a favela in Brazil. Yeah. He's like the dude. He's the real coker. He's the real coker. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy. Um, and, and the next guy, David Seaman. That's pretty standard funny. David Seaman. He's David Seaman. Yeah, yeah no, David Seaman. He lives down the street. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he has happens to be one of England's greatest goalkeepers of all time, but his last name is Seaman. And that's there's got to be there's cool. got to be something British about it, right? And here's here's the name of Socrates Papastathopoulos. Um, we're not even gonna pretend like that. I'm not even gonna <laughs> pretend like that even fucking matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or all of his teammates just call him Papa, because well, well, yeah. No, if I was his teammate, I would be like, "Hello, Socrates, how are you?" He is a Greek yeah. national. He's on the Greek team. Really, he's Greek. Yeah. You oh, go man. figure. I, right? I'm sure he owns a diner somewhere in New Jersey. <laughs> he plays for Olympiakos, which is one of the great teams of Europe. So, great teams of Greece. He's. They're always in the Champions League, or at yeah, least because the, because I mean you win the championship in Greece and you're and you're there. <laughs> but uh, Socrates, as I think uh, Bill and Ted would call him, uh, is a is a wonderful <laughs> wonderful uh, footballer. A Bill and Ted reference. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. That points to now, now, this one is actually... My wife thought this was funny. Uh, it's it's Gabriel Abangalore. But every single time he uh, she hears his name, he uh, she always thinks of Gabriel a bunch of whores. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's a footballer in England. He probably yeah, does. He probably has a bunch Absolutely. of whores. Absolutely. Uh, uh, here's a player who is, uh, at one point was very near to my heart. Uh, Fabio Quagliarella. Um, it just sounds like a I mean, it's a very Neapolitan last name, and he he kind of sounds like a Maserati. He's from Naples, and he played for Naples, and then he didn't play. Oh wait, it, that's a Quattroporto. He he, <laughs> he he went. He played for Naples, and then he left. And he not only did he leave, but he went to Juventus of all the teams you could go to, and we pretty much swapped him for Cavani. So, you know, good career, Quagliarella. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh something that a lot of people would like to overlook, probably. Quags, <laughs> we call them Quags. Um, now this guy is your guy. I do not know how to say that. So I he is a defender. He's um, he's French, uh, oh, yeah. he, and his name is Khalidou Koulibaly. And ah. he's like he's it sounds a, so nice when you say it. Yeah, he's average. Very, <laughs> very average player. Uh, everybody would love uh, Brian Panis. 
Oh, it's, are you sure it's Brian? It's not Brian Penis, because that's what it, that's what it looks like. In it, it does look like it does look. I'm like pretty that. sure his name is Brian Penis. Oh. I'm pretty sure he's tried to tell people his name was spelled uh, was pronounced Penis. Yeah, I mean, think about that name growing up when you were a kid. Well, I mean, and the next name here we got here, uh, Rod Fanny. I mean, Penis and Fanny next to each other. I mean, that's that's right. a powerhouse. And, and there again for our American. Uh, Constituous Fanny is the same thing as the Lady Garden. Trying to keep it as, as, <laughs> as highbrow as possible. If you say Fanny in England, you're thinking of of, of the vagina of the vagina. <laughs> and then and then you have Hulk. His name is actually something else in Brazil. No, it's not. He, no, he, he. If you look him up, look at Wikipedia. Him. His name is something else, but they call him Hulk. I'm pretty sure his father named him Hulk. I, I'm challenging you on this because I'm pretty sure I heard that on World Cup. He's going to look that up, but I'm going to go to the next name. Vangerlove. Wagnerlove. Wagnerlove. Wagnerlove is cool. He's a Brazilian player. He plays for, I think he still plays for CSK Moscow. But um, I just remember him and uh, seeing, uh, watching the. Um, Watching the Brazilian national team play, and they always uh, the Spanish announcer always went Wagner Love. Like he got, that's how he pronounced it. <laughs> like a seventies porn. Yeah. See, Hulk's name is Givanildo Vieira de Sousa. There's not a Hulk in there. There's not even an H in there. <laughs> but that that's his that's his fucking name. They call him Hulk. Oh man. Wow. Uh, so the next one I'm definitely going to to talk about. His name is Dick Advocate. Dick Advocate. I mean, that just sounds like, you know, if if your wife was cheating on... It just seems like what an English woman would call, like, her side piece. Like, oh, my <laughs> husband is so lame, I'm going to go see my Dick Advocate. I'm thinking, like, it, it would be a prostitute. I, he, she is a Dick Advocate. She really loves that dick. She will work hard for that. She advocates for that dick. Um, I cannot stop making fun of Dick Advocate because he is the Sunderland manager, and they are scum. Period. They're dicks. They're dick advocates. That's why he's the manager. They couldn't find... They literally found the embodiment of the team in a manager. And the last one... Um, this actually is the last one we have on the list. It's really important for uh, us as Americans. Uh, that is Gideon Zalalem. Now, Gideon Zalalem is a under-20 Arsenal player, but he is also a naturalized American citizen. Which, I love how that works. Oh, yeah. Does not have an American parent. Uh, his, uh, I think his, is his father German and his mother's African? I have no idea how it's that works something out. something like but that. the USA, if they have to find a player overseas and get them, they'll do everything they can. And I mean, DeAndre Yedlin is, is playing for Tottenham, and to, to be able to get a work permit, he was going to try to say he was Latvian. Which he kind of How many is. Latvians do you know named DeAndre? Uh, <laughs> but this is, this is I think, hopeful for Americans because, yes, he's there again. He's Raheem's age. He's very young. He is not playing for Arsenal's main team. He's playing for the under-21s. But as, as me and, and Nick know and, and most of the, the, the soccer community, Arsenal Wenger does one thing good, and that is scout talent. He is a pedo. Yeah. He is a pedo when he it spends comes more to times <laughs> at, at, at playgrounds than I think actual pedos do. I mean, if you look at uh, Cesc Fabregas, he, he discovered Cesc, uh, Theo Walcott, all these players that are now huge, uh, he's discovered. So I'm really hopeful that this kid, Zalalem, is just as good as, as those players. Even if he's half as good as those players, he's still a great American player, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so we're going to go into our second to last topic 
the, the last topic is just a kind of a quick one. Uh, why don't you why don't you intro that, uh, Nick? We're going to talk about football supporters. Well, we're going to talk about supporters, and it's something that's um, that you you know that that crazy atmosphere that you see at uh, at football games. Uh, it's not something that you see necessarily at no. a basketball game or at a football game. Definitely um, not a bas- baseball game. Uh, definitely not a baseball game. I mean, you don't have, you don't go to, you know, Giant Stadium and there's not one whole section cordoned off for, you know, Jets fans or right. for, you know, or for <laughs> Eagles fans. There and should be for Eagles fans. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, there's not like a general, po- it's not like a general population where everybody just comes in and watches the game. No, there's entire sections of you know, stadiums that are dedicated to um, away supporters mm-hmm. um, and the home supporters as well. It's usually the area behind the goal. The reason for that is the tickets are cheaper. Right. So you can buy mass quantities of tickets for these groups of fans. And um, it's it's something that has, has existed you know what would it be without what would football be without these without these guys I mean, it would be it, it would be boring i yeah. i watch napoli i watch napoli and i would i would watch them whether they were in the third division mm-hmm. or not and that's how these supporters are i mean napoli had a average attendance of 50,000 right. in the third division if you want to talk about things from uh, american football nfl the 12th man the, the the seahawks these are the 12th 13th 14th this is the 12th yeah. through 2000th man you you've I know that they've set um, records for how loud the, the Seahawks stadium is. It's nothing when it comes to the cathedrals that there is in, in, in football. Uh, these fans are organized inside and out. They are passionate. Basically, if you grew up in a house that is that supporter, if you if your family is an Arsenal supporter, you're, you're an Arsenal supporter. You don't have no choice. Right, and especially if it comes to t- uh, cities that are broken up. If you are a Man United supporter, you are only a Man United supporter. You cannot even, you know, uh, have friends that are Man City supporters. And if you were a Man City supporter, that means you were a Chelsea supporter at one point, <laughs> and and now you're a Man City. I mean, City fans. Uh, they. I don't think they've been this upset since they were Chelsea fans. Right. I mean, it it, it it's kind of funny how that works out, but um. It's something that's more than just watching football. It's a culture. It's 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 something that can get a little ugly, right? It can, it can get very ugly. I mean, um, things like the El Clasico, which which everybody knows. Real Madrid and Barcelona is uh, that is the Clasico. That is the big one. Um, right. It, it it doesn't have a. I could be wrong. Forgive me. Uh, but it doesn't seem that it gets all that violent. It doesn't get violent. I mean, not lately. I mean, I think the biggest thing that's ever happened was thing. they threw some pig heads on the field. Yeah. Um, which which was pretty insane. Um, they were kind of juicy. Um, <laughs> but that hasn't had, and it is a good thing, that hasn't had any sort of uh, injury or, or death involved with that that uh, rivalry. Um, not too much to say is this the same, I should say, with, with any of the other ones, honestly. I mean, yeah, we're looking at Rangers versus Celtic. I mean, th- mm-hmm. that's that's a rivalry that has nothing to do with the game. It has nope. nothing to do with the players, and it has everything to do with people from Rangers are Protestant, and people from Celtic are uh, Catholic. Right. And, uh, I mean, it... That's hundreds of years old. I mean, it's it's basically, uh, it, it's, like with, it's like a situation in the Middle East. Yeah. I mean, this is Scotland. It is not part of uh, the English Premier League. They've got their own Premier League, but this is called the Old Firm. The reason why it's called the Old Firm is because it's the two oldest rivalries in the city because it's the two oldest rivalries in the country ever since, uh, you know, 
King Henry kind of made his own religion. And it's not, you know, fuck you, uh, you Red Sox fan, because you're from Boston and I'm from New York. It's fuck you, you're a Protestant. Right. Like, the, like it, it's... And they just happen to be... There just happens to be a football game going on. Right. Just in the background... Doesn't really mean anything. Um, the Super Classico. This is the I Super mean, Classico. This is. I mean, you're, you're, going, you're talking. To, this is in Argentina. This is River, uh-huh. River Plate and Boca Boca Juniors, uh, the two biggest teams um, in, in Argentina. And I mean, Boca Juniors fans are already known for being the most passionate fans in all of world football, and they play in Argentina. So and Argentina Tevez was a junior, right? He was. Yeah. Argentina isn't uh, celebrated. Uh, their their league isn't as celebrated as you know the bigger European leagues, but. To, to deny its quality and to oh, deny and insane. to deny the fans' passion is is just insane. I mean the the Bombonera is probably is where the Boca Juniors play and it's probably the the biggest cauldron of any of any stadium in in the world. Literally a cauldron because that's one of those stadiums that has the um, like like in the hockey uh, arenas the yes. plate glass yes. separating the this, the the uh, fans from the the pitch because yeah. they always invade. And I mean they, these teams just played recently last week and um and the Boca Juniors I, I they uh, the River Plate fans I believe were yeah. the ones who were pepper spraying the players. Yep. I mean pepper spray on players. I mean players had orange faces for crying out loud yeah. from this game and the the Boca Juniors fans actually put it got a, a flying drone and they put like a ghost's like costume over it so and with the letter B on it to signify how River Plate uh, was in the second division in the uh, the Serie right. B of Argentina and they just kind of had that thing flying around the stadium I mean that's a level of of like trolling that <laughs> I, I just think just does not exist yeah definitely doesn't exist in the US I mean can you imagine no, I mean, I think the closest thing we ever had of that was there was those Eagles fans that threw the snowballs at the Jets. Yeah, can you imagine the Yankees, like, you know, <laughs> the Yankees fans having a drone flying around uh, Fenway Park of, you know, all their championship banners? Oh, that would be a heavy drone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that one's still hot. I mean, um, River Plate... They got a deduction for that. They have no, to. No, Boca Boca has was kicked out of the Copa Libertadores, yes. which is the Champions League for um, South America. They were kicked out, um, and they have to do four matches uh, closed doors. Closed doors, but yeah, I mean, getting kicked no out fans. of getting kicked out of the the Copa like that is uh, that's a huge deal. Right now, one that everybody who has ever seen the most popular movie uh, about soccer called Green Street Hooligans will know the East London Derby. A derby is a word for a rivalry. It's when one club, usually from the same city, uh, goes against the other club from the same city. Millwall, West Ham, right? So um, the good thing about this derby is it very rarely actually happens. (laughs) Because both teams... They're in two different divisions. Two different divisions. I mean, and one team, Millwall, fucking sucks. That's why they're in a different division. Well, and I mean, and their football is mediocre. However, that's a classic uh, example of yeah, their football is mediocre, less less than mediocre. Right. Their their support is phenomenal. Is is quite strong. Yeah. Um. And Green Street Hooligans. It's kind of based on real life. They did meet just recently in the 1990s uh, in the what's called the FA Cup, which is another. Uh, That's another podcast. Another podcast. We're going to talk about why are all these players, uh, all these teams, playing in different leagues, but they're not. Um, and it got it got heated uh, in the train stations getting into the the stadium. Um, it, it got pretty insane. These these are 
the biggest of the biggest uh, rivalries. Uh, we're also going to talk and about it's, two... It's interesting that you say that, that. It's one of the biggest rivalries, considering it's a game that rarely happens with right. a team in such a low division. And maybe that's probably why it is so big, is because so you, it bottles up inside these people, you know? Um, so... The other, the last two that we're going to talk about, ones that are very close to me and Nick's heart, Newcastle Sunderland. Um, basically, there is another Derby sort of situation where the rivalry really has to do with Newcastle is better than Sunderland because we just are. It's a bigger city. Uh, the people are nicer. They're way more. They're they're more handsome. They're just prettier people. We're talking about uh, on, on an English scale, right? Yeah, pretty like an uh, English pretty. Like think the teeth. Sunderland, they're done. Just, just. But what are they like in Newcastle? Are they there? Yeah, they're ten, ten or fifteen a person. They try to, <laughs> they try to share them throughout the city, you know. Um, but and I always thought I had an idea of Newcastle as like seaside in the in the snow. N- no, no, it's it's it, it's more like Asbury in the snow. Actually, Sunderland's more like Asbury in the snow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they drink their natty ice with their pink. <laughs> exactly. Um, the interesting thing is the the, the the subway system connects the two um, cities. So before and after each match, if you want to do anything else, like go home and not see the game, you can't because you're not allowed to get onto the train system because the fans need to be separated before and after the match, every match. And the next one we have here is uh, is one that's very uh, close to me. I mean, Napoli has a has a few rivalries, and one of them, obviously, the bigger one is with Juventus because Juventus is the biggest club in Italy, so obviously they would be a rival. But the, for us right now, it's Napoli and Roma. Um, it's it's one that has been tragic. Uh, about a, uh, last year, uh, at the uh, Italian Cup final, which is the Italian's FA Cup. Uh, Napoli was in the final against Fiorentina from Florence. Um, it's always played in Rome this uh-huh. game, and the uh, there was a there was a group of Roma fans that attacked a Napoli fan, uh, a, Nap- a group of Napoli fans, and actually one of the guy one of the Roma fans killed a Napoli fan. I remember that. And um, the the game was the, the Napoli fans were until they heard the state of the of the fan in question, they wanted they wanted the game stopped and halted. The game started about a, a little over an hour late. Um, and when the game started, no Napoli fans were really cheering. There was no, none of the supporters were, you know, you yeah. didn't hear the usual chants that you did. You didn't see the flag waving out of respect for this fan who was fighting for his life. He di- ended up dying a month later. Um, and to, just to go over it, I mean, the, the next week, uh, the Roma fans were holding up banners in support of the shooter. Yeah, it's and, it's, it's and, bad in Italy though. And it is bad in Italy, especially as if if you're comparing it to um, you know England and Germany, Spain, and of the big four leagues, it, it is it is much worse. Um, and just this pa- the, in the last meeting in Rome, uh, it was Napoli Roma, and the Roma fans were holding up banners telling the uh, the the mother of uh, Chido Esposito, the the fan who was killed, uh, they were telling the mother to shut up. Uh, get over her grief, or that she's only grieving that for book deals and uh, things like that. And it's like this mother lost her son. That's um, probably and, and, and the and the um, one of the the president mm-hmm. of uh, Roma. He uh, he's an American, James yes. Palotta, and he even called her and said, "Listen, this isn't indicative of you know the kind of club that we are and and things like that." And I I just don't believe it. That is who they are because those fans are still those fans. It's still who sh- the fans are. It's who those it's ultras who the, it's, are. It's who those ultras are. But they don't. They, you, you know. You can't tell me that you know there's not there's not a way to not put these people in the stadiums and and, and I'll say this for Napoli for you know for the the image that Naples is given as you know this is a city full of you know criminals and it's it's where the Camorra is it's where the mafia is um, 
there was hardly any reaction, mm-hmm. any retaliatory reaction to any of the and there could have easily been. Of course. I mean, but... And, and this is probably another podcast. We're just spawning podcasts as, as we go along. Italy needs to figure out what's going on with, when it comes to ultras, which is what... Uh, in England football we would call hooligans things like that because it's ruining the game and it's going to start costing ticket sales and when you start costing ticket sales it already is costing ticket sales cream cash rules everything around me (laughs) it's going to start costing the actual quality of the game on the field I mean and and it's hard to argue that that it isn't I mean you know you look in England and you look at what their league is and what their but if you look not just at their league you look at the security which is something Mm -hmm. that you don't see on TV as a fan, but they they are one of the most watched countries yep. in the world when it comes to uh, when it comes to football. I mean, you can't you know you can't sneak into a stadium with anything, and whereas in Italy you can, which is it's odd because when I went to a Napoli game in February, they wouldn't let me in with a scarf that says Juve for Juventus. It has a middle finger, and then it says Merda, which means shit, which is a way of saying fuck Juventus. They wouldn't let me in with the scarf, saying that you know <laughs> it it incites uh, it incites uh, you know trouble. And to which I said, well, I see this shit on TV all the time. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, and it, it wasn't even a game against Juventus. It was right. against Udinese. It had nothing to do with anything. But they wouldn't let me in. And That's my cousin, my cousin also says they only do that to people who look like they're not going to cause trouble. Just so they can show that they're, that, that doing, they're doing something, something. quote unquote. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up with um, the match of the week. If we were to pick one match that you need to watch to top off your weekend, your Memorial Day weekend, uh, these are the two that I think. Uh, you need to watch. So, Nick's pick is Roma Lazio. Not not only be not you know, and I would say you know it's the Italian league. The league is already sewed up. I mean, Juventus uh-huh. has already won it. Totally but, is. But Roma and Lazio is one of the biggest rivalries in the world. Um, you know, th- those fans are especially. About, you have Roma who are very um, right wing. They're very right wing. Their fans are very right wing, and their their Lazio fans are very fascist. Yes. So when you put those two together, I mean, it's it's. It's incredible. I mean, then you're talking about the it's number fireworks. two, and it's the number two versus the number three team in Italy. There's um, something there's to cha- play for. There's Champions League, yep. um, you know, aspirations, and this is the first time I'll ever just be saying Forza Roma because <laughs> if they win, Lots, uh, Napoli has the chance to uh, to take third place from Lazio on the last day of the season. Uh, the other one, it's obviously very close to my heart. There's two matches. There's two teams in relegation. There is one point between. Two points between the two teams. Uh, Hull City is playing Manchester uh, United. Which on paper you see it and you're like, what? Right. If if they win, my beloved Newcastle goes down. Newcastle has to go away and win at West Ham, which actually has one of our old players that are playing, and it's always a difficult. Um, and if they also Hull, have one of our old old managers. If Hull loses, does Newcastle go down? No. If if Hull loses, and even if. If we both lose, if Hull loses and uh, Newcastle lose, we we stay up. If Hull ties and we lose, we go down. Oh. So it's going to be – I'm on and pins this, and needles. And this, this, uh, this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the, the heartbreak and the, the angst around promotion and relegation. I see it on Anthony's face right now. I mean, I can't – I mean, we lost eight – in a row, but I just I can't see it happening again. I just can't see Hull beating Manchester United. I just can't. It's the premier, but that's what they always say. It's the premier. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I mean, Manchester City won it in a tight game against QPR of all teams. This is true, but that was. Ah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We're gonna wrap it up here, guys. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're at hashtag uh, Soccer Guys Radio. Uh, we're on Instagram at Soccer Guys Podcast, and and that's where we're also at on Facebook. And if you could. Hashtag Juve Merda as many times as possible. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, thank
thank you so much. Hopefully we'll have another one for you uh, in two weeks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye.